Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Annihilation. Can you describe its form? No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky? (laughs) Why aren't you here? I gotta leave a day early. Here. Let me see him. He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. It's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. It's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. It's destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Annihilation, and the story is as follows. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition where the laws of nature do not apply. The film is starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Navatani, and Oscar Isaac. It is written and directed by Alex Garland. Joining me for this review, I have the birthday girl herself, Miss Dianne Zeze. Thank you. Hello, and happy birthday to you, Matt. Ah, yes. Thank you. We shared her same birthday. Isn't that, like, just amazing? <laughs> I love it. Uh, also joining us, we have Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everybody. And also joining us, Packed House today, we have a guest, and the guest is, drumroll please, Jessica Pena, everybody. Hey, everyone. Hi, Hi Jessica. Jess. Hi. Can we call you Jess? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, before we get started with this, I want to just ask everybody, uh, first of all, uh, Deanne, experience with reading the book before seeing the movie at all? No, sir. Okay. And it sounds like I'm glad that I didn't. Ah, what about you, Ryan? Um, I have read the book, and um, I think Deanne, were you? Were, were, did you read my tweets this morning? Is that why you just said oh, that? I, I, no, I, I actually didn't. I just have heard that for people who read the book, that maybe it was more disappointing, just because it didn't quite correlate as well. Well, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> and Jessica, I'm actually in the middle of re- uh, listening to the audiobooks. I'm like in the middle of it, so we'll see. Okay. And for myself, I have not read the book that this is based on. Um, I normally don't do that sort of thing anymore with movies because I've I have found, um, maybe in Ryan's case with this particular one, that it hurts my experience because, let's face it, book 95% of the time is usually almost always better. So in any event, though, let's get cracking on this one because there is a lot to crack down with. Annihilation, Alex Garland's follow-up to Ex Machina. Hotly anticipated, all-female-led sci-fi cast. It is 
a February release right now that Paramount is dropping out there with little hope. They sold the international rights to Netflix because they didn't think that it was going to do well financially. Um, they told Alex Garland it was too smart and he needed to dumb it down. And when he refused to do so, that's when they sold the international rights. And as a result, um, it's getting a release, I believe, in the U.S., China, I think in Canada, and that's it, theatrically speaking. Everywhere else, straight to Netflix in March. But for those that did get a chance to see it in the theater, us included, um, I think it was a worthwhile experience, and I do urge people to watch it on the biggest screen possible. Let's go around the table here. Let's get uh, some first hot take impressions of their own experience. Let's start it off with the birthday girl herself, Deanne. Yes, all right. Um, yeah, I completely enjoyed this film. Um, those of you who've listened to this know that I'm a science fiction girl. A- Alien, the original Alien, is one of my favorites. And um, Blade Runner of last year was in my top ten, and Arrival was my number two of the year before. So this is a genre I love. Um, this one, I wouldn't say, is my favorite of recent years, but I um, was definitely enamored with it. I felt I really loved um, the kind of larger allegory that was happening, um, kind of mixed in with, obviously, some of the more dramatic themes. Um, I thought it was really beautiful. I loved the that the all-female cast wasn't really a big deal, that it just was sort of there and it wasn't made, n- nothing was sort of made of that, but it just occurred and happened organically, which I thought was done really well. Um, and um, I loved it. Nice. <laughs> Jessica? Um, I absolutely loved this movie coming out of it, and I'm not big on sci-fi either, but for some reason, Alex Garland just always pulls me in. And I love how this one uses strange ideas that are really, they're just challenging us to look at ourselves and our flaws, what makes us human, how we tend to self-destruct, how do we renew again, and start over, things of that nature. And I really hope that's how the general audience would respond to that. Fair. Uh, Ryan? I think this is a very good movie. Very good. I don't think it's great. I don't think it rises to the level of, um, say, Arrival um, in terms of being a masterpiece. I I don't think it's as detailed and specific and clean as um, something like Arrival, nor do I think it reaches the intellectual heights of the book. That being said, it, it is very good. The writing is very smart, and Alex Garland has a very clear vision, and the acting is good. The set design is to die for. Um, The cinematography is also quite good. But I don't think it deserves to stand next to Arrival shoulder to shoulder. I think it's maybe, if Arrival is an A+, um, Annihilation is a B+. And um, there's a lot in the, that, that the film did that, kind of um, Hollywood uh, Hollywoodized the book and made things less complex. And actually, I think it's funny that the studios think that it's this that the, that the film is too intellectual for general audiences because I don't think that the film is nearly as intellectual as the book. Okay. Um, I will first start off by saying that I was not the biggest fan of Ex Machina. Me either. I know that that sounds yeah i know that sounds pretty like sacrilegious to some that really enjoyed it but my biggest gripe with uh ex machina has always been and i've seen the film i think three four times um and each time i see it i try to get over this but i i just can't um i i really just don't like the ending uh the ending bothers me a lot every time i watch it and Everything else leading up to that, though, I think is phenomenal. What I love so much about Alex Garland, what I know I can always expect from his screenplays are how well written they are and how intellectual they can be. Um, With this film, he's dealing in something that is quite unique and very interesting, and that is the concept of human biology. And not just in the form of creation, but also to where the title of the film comes from, Annihilation. Um, This can mean one of two things. This can either mean um, annihilation by means of uh, self-destruction, whether that comes from the body or the mind, essentially. So what, what I'm basically getting at is you can commit suicide or the body just simply turns on you and that uh, manifests itself in this film in the form of cancer, 
which is a really, really big theme at play here when you're watching this movie. Um, I was reading an article online, um, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, I I believe it was Mm -hmm. Collider.com, where um, there's a lot of talk about the splitting of cells and how cells are constantly duplicating and they're multiplying and expanding and how eventually that can also lead to cancerous cells expanding, mutating, and so on and so forth. Much like how the shimmer in this movie is something that's spreading and it's destroying everything, but yet it's also evolving and mutating. I found that it was not a coincidence that one of the characters in this movie, I won't reveal uh, which one, uh, has cancer and how that idea of something that's spreading and slowly eating away and rotting at everything is at the core of this film. And I don't know about you guys, but mentally speaking, having to wrap my mind around the thing in this world that unfortunately exists and, you know, haunts us all called cancer, um, was a very unusual, frightening, enlightening, uh, it it was an experience that, you know, that as you're thinking about it for sitting down in the theater for two hours, um, it, it created an experience watching this movie that was unlike any I think I have had in quite some time. No, I think your analysis of it is great. I, well, I kind of want to dig in. I'm curious, Ryan. I have like a hundred questions, just kind of related to um, the source material in this. I heard Alex Garland do an interview, and he really did pretty much say that he talked to the author of the book and said, "I'm basically just stealing some general ideas from your book, and then um, kind of making the screenplay out of it." So I'm just kind of curious some of some specifics of what you felt like did you know didn't translate or could have translated over that didn't. Well, um, for instance, the um, this, the entire structure of the book is different from the structure of the movie. In the book, they start out with the four women, not five, walking toward the, the shimmer, the, the, the wall. And that's where it starts out. And the, the biggest thing I liked about the first half of the book is the first half of the book deals with these four characters, and they're all scientists, and they are in this, in Area X, and they they're not only observing the area and taking notes about the environment, but they're also seeing how they're trying to like test each other and what's objective and are the other characters keeping an, uh, an objective mind. And is this person, you know, acting this way because they've, you know, breathed something in the air or, you know, or because they touch something and it's changing their, perspective or something like that so, so you're talking about uh questioning reality and whether or not if that's something that um because of the experiences that they're having are they actually losing their minds or are they of sane mind is what you're telling me exactly and oh, there's okay. a lot of um and it's like and for instance natalie portman's character in the in the book she's she's just referred to as the biologist they don't none of them have names there mm-hmm. so it's very it's very cold in that sense but um that like the biologist she often there were several times in the first half of the book where she pretends to be a certain way just to um fit in with the group or to put on a certain image in front of the group because she knows that she's changing in the environment but she doesn't want everyone else to know and um so that that was a big i thought it was so smart and the way that the book detailed it was so invigorating and like so special and then um so was the cancer allegory prevalent? Um, not as much. I was more in the in the in the book and see also like the book it's told it's a first person narrative. So it's told from the perspective of Natalie Portman's character, the biologist. And well, so is the movie too. Not no not as not as much. Not it's as more much. internal. No, uh, you, she's in every single scene. She is in every single scene but in the book, I mean, you were you were in her head, and I and I yeah. I know that I know well, I sound. How else picky. is the movie supposed to do that unless they add voiceover narration? Honestly, I think like I, I tweeted this like two weeks ago when I finished the book. I said I think I don't know how they're going to make the book a successful adaptation into a movie without narrating because I can't tell you the amount of detail that went into Natalie Portman's character in the book, like after like in in the climax of the film. Can you imagine like the way that the author described how she was being changed or affected by the lighthouse. Well, let me put it to you this way. I think the film works a lot better because it is subject to interpretation. I I, I say this because, um, Jess, you saw it twice opening night. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
Jess and I talked afterwards, uh, between screenings and after screenings. And what I found really funny was I said to Jess, I was like, did you get the Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden reference? And she was like, no. So what's very interesting is how I'm finding that people are having very personal experiences that are different than other people's experiences coming out of this film. And I think that makes it ultimately more powerful. Can I just say, too, the book also was very it, it focused more heavily on the ecological aspects than I think the film does. Well, yeah, because the film's more biological. Right. So it's more it was more about how the environment, how whenever people interact with the environment, how it, how it changes them. And I think um, a lot and a lot of it was lost. And there wasn't, to be honest, not there wasn't as much action in the book. It was very much Natalie. And also a big thing, the book, a, a huge part of it was um, Natalie Portman's character reflecting on her relationship with Oscar Isaac. And I think that they did a good job with it. But in the book, it's totally different. Different. Um, Natalie Portman's character in the book is uh, a lot, a lot more selfish. And she's done. She did things in the relationship to push her husband away. And that the regret isn't in the film. It was replaced by, you know, something else. Or am I allowed to say, or is that a spoiler? I, I mean, Hey, if anybody wants to read like really hard into everything that is you're saying, almost half of what you're saying is a spoiler. So, <laughs> okay. So in the movie, they replaced it with her having this affair with the, um, with another professor at the university that they work at. And that wasn't in the book, but like there was, so it was just, like I said, a lot of things were Hollywoodized, and the her personality in the book was much different from her personality in the movie. Her personality in the movie is more like Amy Adams's character in Arrival, like a second-rate um, Amy Adams in Arrival, whereas in the book she had a very peculiar personality. I think. Okay, now just for the record, this is why. No offense, Ryan. Yeah, I don't read books before I see movies. <laughs> no, and I learned the I learned the hard way. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let, let's focus on the film itself. I mean, I agree. yeah, because I, I hear everything you're saying, but I still think that a lot of the choices that were made here were effective and worked. I know that um, Ale- um that Alexander Garland said that um, he really wanted to play up the self destruction theme and the different versions of self destruction, which Jess mentioned earlier, and I actually found all of that very effective and impactful in the way it was done. And I'm glad it wasn't over explained. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I liked kind of discovering kind of what each of these characters were sort of headed towards and how that influenced their behavior in the situation they were in. Um, I, I, I thought all of that was really artful and, and interesting. I, Dan, I agree with you, by the way, 100%. It, um, the, the, the theme of self-destruction is very strong here. Jess, where do you land on all of this right now in terms of, because you're in the middle of the book right now. Yeah. So, and you've seen the film more than anyone else here. So <laughs> I, I'm just curious where your head's at with this. Um, I mean, with the self-destruction thing, one thing that really always stuck with me was Gina Rodriguez's character and just her character arc and how it shifts so violently after they come across some footage. That kind of stuff really, I don't know, it was really prominent i think yeah well i mean i don't know about you guys but uh something weird happened to me while i was watching this movie i don't know if it was like hallucinogenic or what it was i mean there were some trippy visuals to be sure in this movie and there were times while watching it where i felt like i was on drugs without the actual drugs but one thing that i found that was happening just like gina rodriguez's character in this movie um I felt my own mind slipping away from me as I was watching the film because some of the images and the imagination and creativity that went into the visuals and the set pieces and just some of the shocking moments, I I don't know about you guys, but I legitimately like felt myself getting lost in the movie. Yeah, it was definitely like a dreamlike nature to it. Mm -hmm. And, And nightmarish too. The, the last, like, tw- 20 minutes especially, I think, were um, hallucinogenic and, uh, to use your word, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Trippy as hell, hell. I thought the time <laughs> flew by, though, to that, oh, it to did. that effect. Like, I, and, and, and that end scene, yeah, you're right. You just you sort of have to just let yourself go. You can't overthink. You just have to watch and then kind of think about it later. And I was telling Jess when the movie was over, I was like, those credits, I mean, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sat through the whole the thing twice. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so uh, one of the things I thought was strong, I mean, I, I enjoyed the cast. I thought that it was, you know, kind of interesting choices um, across the board. I thought Gina Rodriguez actually really um, stood out to me, even more than Tessa Thompson, surprisingly. I mean, I've loved her. Obviously, she was great in Thor and, and um, is continues to do great things. But I actually felt like Gina Rodriguez was um, kind of the one who um, stole the show here. I agree. What amazed me about Tessa Thompson is how um, she's trying to play a younger person than she actually is. Like, this was supposed to be somebody who was, what, 21, 22 years old, probably? Right. That was like the post-grad, they said, right? Yeah, right. And uh, I thought that she played that uh, actually extraordinarily well, considering some of the other roles that we've seen her in lately. Do we think that this is one of Natalie Portman's um, highlight performances? Not Yes. Like not um, Black Swan or Jackie, but like no, is it is no. it her top five, top ten? Y- yes, top five. I would say top ten for sure. I, I think she, yeah. It, yeah, I think it would probably have to it'd be around five or six for me. I honestly think this is going to sound so strange. I don't even know how, to, but I think she was so good for this movie. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if it was a perfect showcase of her talent. I think she was so good because she has this confidence to her, but that you know that makes it totally work. But um, she can also be vulnerable, and I so. So I put it right in the middle, I guess. I just, I, where I think in Black Swan, there was so much more for her to do. And in Jackie, there was so much more for her to do. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really gets me thrown off with Natalie Portman in this movie was when she's explaining how she was in the army for something like, what, seven, eight years. And now she's been a professor for another seven, eight years. And I'm like, Natalie Portman, you are still like so youthful looking. I, I don't like, where did all this time in your life? Queen Amidala. <laughs> well, um, the, the scene, um, there's a scene towards the end where Natalie Portman watches a video recording um, right before the climax that is devastating. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. that's definitely her highlight, the highlight scene for her acting. You're right. That was really good. Film. Yeah, that would be the the real moment, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when you think about like her great performances that she's given, Closer, Leon the Professional, V for Vendetta, of course, Jackie and Black Swan. Uh, yeah, I, I I'd put I'd put this in up there in those categories. I I think it's her I think it's her fifth best performance personally. Um, the the thing that I did not like personally with the cast in this movie was nothing to do about the performances or any of the uh, people involved. It had to do with this one scene where he, where Alex Garland does not necessarily give these uh, characters qualities and traits that stood out so much to me, um, especially in a scene where Lena, played by Natalie Portman, is getting herself acquainted with each one of them individually. But they have like this scene where she's rowing, um, and one of the other characters explains to her like each character's backstory in this very small, condensed uh, speech. And I just thought to myself, what a lazy piece of writing to give these characters like some backstory instead of having it sprinkled organically throughout the movie. Did anybody else get that feeling? Um, no, I was fine with it. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. I, I, I think to, what it would probably do better is if, if you were rewatching this, I think what you're describing, Matt, would be better and probably smarter. But for the first watch, I actually liked it because for me, it was like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. I like it. This is where we're going. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I found it that it worked, but I could see on rewatch that there, that you could kind of dissect that and do it in more clever ways and more subtle ways. And that that could have been effective as well. Sure. It's, it's, it was probably a little lazy. I'll give you that. I don't think it distracted me from the film. Uh, It's literally my only complaint about the movie, actually. (laughs) Uh, I, I really got nothing else to harp on other than that. Otherwise, this was this was something that like, I, I don't expect a movie like this in February. No, no. And Black Panther. And I, I feel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel so, like such a it's jerk. A great February. <laughs> I feel like such a jerk, jerk because no. I like I like t- took like five minutes and just like you know crapped on the movie. But I don't mean to. I think it's really really good. And for a February release date, I was watching the ending last night. I was like, oh my god, like this is such a great thing. I can't. We have this right now. Right. Um, yeah. But I do need to ask. Like, I want to pose the question: Do you guys think Alex Garland is at the level of? you know, Dennis Villeneuve or Nolan or, 
you know, the really high profile directors, because I feel like people have such an affinity for ex machina that people are trying to lump him into that category. And I think that he's, he's very good. Don't get me wrong. And he has a clear vision and he knows where to put the camera and the story he wants to tell visually. But I don't think that he has perfected his craft yet. Let's, let's be very clear about something. Okay. Christopher Nolan's first two films were following and memento. Nobody really paid attention to following memento was kind of the breakout movie for him. He followed that up with insomnia. People forget and Insomnia is a solid movie. It's not, it's not a great movie like Memento is. Right. So I, I think that comparison is unfair. And then Denny Villeneuve, most people haven't seen Denny Villeneuve's first two films. They think Prisoners is his first film, which it's not. You know, so I think that comparison's unfair as well. I think people need to give Alex Garland a little bit more time before they start putting him up to those levels. I, okay, I totally well, agree. But I, and honestly, I agree too. I think it's way too too soon. But people are throwing around, you know, the art the auteur narrative, and I'm just I don't I just don't think that he has perfected his craft yet. And I think that there okay. were some that that's what I'm trying to get at. And I think this work in Annihilation shows that he hasn't perfected it. Um, I, I think it's very I think it's a great effort, and he did a really great job. And this is going to be a great movie. And I think looking back and rewatching it, it will be greater and greater in time to come. But I don't think it's shimmering and spotless and pristine. Shimmering. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> the word shimmer. No well, pun intended. You know, I, you know what's interesting is like you know his um, filmography. He's a writer first and foremost. Yeah. Like that's what he did for so long. And so I do think, and I get excited about the fact that he is showing this much promise with these first two films, with that clear storytelling vision in in the writing as well because i mean i think he's on his way i mean my god this is a great sophomore direction um direction film that we saw so i mean but i but i I don't think we're there yet but i will say it excites me more now because of annihilation less so because of ex machina because i like you guys just liked it so yeah yeah uh jess I think he's certainly headed that way, like maybe within the next five to ten years. Um, I'm a huge fan of these two films that he directed. And even 28 Days Later, I remember really liking that one. And it's apparent that he's very true to the idea that in the sci-fi genre, you have permission for all these bigger ideas and playing up to analogies and metaphors and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. It, it, he definitely has um, a clear sense of uh, vision, um, creativity, as well as, like you said, Jess, um, the, the the willingness to explore very big ideas. I mean, you look at any yeah. one of his screenplays, like Never Let Me Go or Sunshine, even though that third act in Sunshine is still a mess. Um, even Popcorn Entertainment, something like Dread. You know, the guy definitely knows what he's doing on the writing level. I think directorially speaking, um, while I don't think this is a sophomore slump, I could see a point where maybe a desire to try and always top himself could get him into a little bit of trouble because I do feel Annihilation is more bold of a um, of a visual challenge than Ex Machina, and I feel that there's obviously a lot more elements at play in Annihilation. You know, one thing in particular that really stood out to me um, and that helped make this film so unique, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, let me know, is I've never seen rainbow flares in cinematography uh, before, lens flares. And just even that rainbow color effect uh, was something that, for me, I was like wow, like when's the last time I saw something like that in a movie before, you know? Yeah, um, I thought the visuals were really strong. Obviously, it's the same team from Ex Machina, right? Who, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, Rob Hardy, I believe. Yeah, a lot of, it's a lot of the same carryover people, if I remember right, Jess, right? I think okay. it's like... Hey, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that, but I think even, yeah, for um, I, I think production design, all of that kind of carried over from those, that same group that he had worked with. Um, so I have, a, I have such a weird question here. So I did think it was really beautiful. I love, I thought the alligator and like, I thought the visual with the, like the flowers in the human form, like that was really stunning to me. I love that um anyway uh but i had this weird moment with the bear where i was not sure if i was seeing dodgy effects or if it was intentional like there was almost like some translucence 
happening. Did anyone else see that? <laughs> Am I crazy? I did. But this is one of those instances where the storytelling and every other element at play is so strong that I could forgive yes. visual effects that are not on the same level as something like gravity. So you right. feel like it was a shoddy effect and not intentional. That's what I was, that's what threw me. No, I didn't think it was intentional. Um, I think the visual effects for this movie, what's the budget on this? 40 million, 30 million? Where Ex Machina was like 15, I think. Yeah, I mean, I still think the visuals on Ex Machina are stronger because they're much more simplistic. And as a result, you can hide them better and integrate them into the uh, the visuals, the art direction and everything else. They're just much more subliminal. Here, they're a little bit more pronounced. And as a result of that, they draw more attention and scrutiny to themselves. Um, while I found the alligator and the bear to not be the best visual effects in the world, I did find everything in the last 20, 15 minutes to Beautiful. be... Yeah. Amazing. And the score really picked up there. There was oh, that oh when gosh. that blossom opened, you know what I'm talking about? And the music yeah. picked up there. Oof. I got some chills. Oh got some feels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking about that score, honestly. Yeah. It really builds. Uh, were you a fan of the score? I was. It was so jarring. And it, the thing of nightmares really like, um, well, a lot of things in the film are, but I'm still thinking about that score. Definitely. Yeah. I... <sighs> Kind of, sort of. I mean, wait, I think, so you're not a fan of the score? He's you checked did. out. I, I, I loved, I think, I thought the visuals were great. I really did. I don't think that a film is going to have better art direction than Annihilation this year. Wow. I'm saying it right now. Um, Whoa. All right. Gauntlet. I think, and a def, and the they definitely had a lot of great moments with, with the cinematography and the sound too in that like final sequence. There's no denying the sound work. Um, the this the score, I was like. Um, there, there were moments I didn't like it, but it grew on me by the end to say it nicely, I guess. I don't know. I, I sound like such a pessimistic jerk. I don't mean to be, but that's just, <laughs> no, no, no. You're being honest and you're being truthful and that's welcome here. We're totally okay with it. I love that Crosby stills Nash and Young song. I had to go find yeah. it after that. I loved it. I dug it. Oh, oh, I just heard a sigh from Ryan. He didn't like that either. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Okay, well, so I have one more thing I just wanted to bring up that I'm curious about that's been on my mind. Just It's so interesting, this development of science fiction over the last 10 years, sort of in general. And I think it's such an interesting genre because, you know, this one kind of crosses over to the horror realm. But I, I also think there are there's kind of this level of science fiction filmmaking that has this dramatic, like that crosses over completely into dramatic themes, you know, obviously arrivals and just one of many examples. And then there's true science fiction, if that makes sense. And, and like, obviously I, I tend to like lean towards these that are a little bit more cerebral and have that, you know, um, gravitas to them versus like, um, an alien covenant of last year, which to me was science fiction all the way. So I'm just kind of like poising that, I guess, as where, like, where's, that going and has it become kind of its own thing because it's we're, we're getting at least a couple of these every year I, I will say this um i have had a vision and the vision involves a best picture science fiction winner at some point yeah very soon um, but then can i don't you think even it's happening it science fiction i don't know I, I, yeah i don't think it's happening like now but i think you know when you see things like gravity mad max arrival Ex Machina winning visual effects. Interstellar. Interstellar, sure. I mean, there is a trend right now. And I do think that the Oscars are changing um, right before our very eyes. We're, we're in the midst of a very, very, very radical change that's occurring within the film industry right now. Not just for um, more diverse stories, but also to, I think, genre bias is starting to slowly peel back. A bit more and more. Uh, Ryan, I know that you and I, <laughs> you and I have had some pessimistic conversations on this exact topic. Uh, what do you think about that? About genre bias going away in the Academy? Slowly, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's talk again, like, after the Oscars and see if Get Out wins or Three Billboards wins Best Original Screenplay. Then we can talk about genre bias because That's I think fine. it's still alive and well and kicking. But you know what? I don't know. The post failed, and that was totally up the Academy's alley. So maybe they are changing. Who knows? I don't know. But then know. again, you have a film like Darkest Hour that pushes through in the end. Yeah. Right? That's typical Oscar bait. But then also, too, you see this rejection for other films like uh, Breathe with Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy, which years ago would have been a traditional Academy film. So 
I don't know. I, I think we are starting to just see that if the quality is there and it's real, um, and as long as the release date is correct and there's a campaign to be had, things can happen. I agree. And I think um, I agree with you somewhat. I don't I'm not as like I don't think it's going to be as revolutionary as what you're making it sound like. I think I don't know. <laughs> I could I do agree with you, though. I think if, if, if a sci-fi has the right tone. What do you think, Jess? You think sci-fi is going get, to get its due with the Oscars one day? Honestly, I have no idea. Um, I would hope so, especially like if they keep giving us this like these films that are more metaphysical rather than science. That's I mean, I love all that stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. Right, what about fair. Arrival? Like what if it could do you think Arrival could have ever won Best Picture? Do I think it could have won? Yeah. No, because do you think it, it didn't. Do you think it could? Uh, you know. do, do you think it could have? Do you think it, if let's say it was released in ten years, do you think a film like Arrival could win? Yes, I think what actually held Arrival back was that it was, um, and and I, and I this is really, I mean, I, it's funny because we're trying to talk about Annihilation, we're talking about Arrival, um, but I just think Arrival was a little too um, emotionally cold at times, and had it had that big, big, big emotional moment for Amy Adams or. You know, something along the lines of like a, a, a quote unquote scene like Tom Hanks has like in Captain Phillips where it's like an emotional release of sorts um, that everyone can point to and say, oh, that's her scene. Not only does that help her get a nomination and get closer to a win, that also helps the film too, even though people still were able to emotionally connect with the film as it was um, because of Denny Villeneuve's um, presentation of those flashbacks and how he was able to weave those in. I want to get off the arrival train for a minute. Let's let's get back on the Annihilation train. Um, <laughs> let's move over actually really quickly. Um, let's diverge into spoiler territory for a minute here. I do want to talk about this ending. I want to talk about what you guys think about the ending and what it represents. Um, so for anyone that's listening right now, if you have not seen Annihilation, uh, skip ahead all the way to the very end where we give our Twitter handles and we are about to go into spoilers. Let's do it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Jess, you saw the film twice. I imagine that you probably had time to ruminate on this and think about it a lot. What is your interpretation of the ending to Annihilation? Um, okay, wow. Um... Where do I even begin? It's it's definitely, it can be divisive, I guess, depending on how you look at it. I think a lot of it was reflection of our own selves, and I think that's really what it was trying to get at with the alien aspect of it and the, I guess, the, the part where it mirrors her. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really creepy, but also, I don't know, I guess it was a lot of self-reflective, self-destruction, and I think that's... It was trying to get to the heart of that, and I think that's what it meant. So you think her and the alien become one at the end, or do you think that um, it imparts a piece of it onto her and she mutates? Honestly, I think I think it could be both. I was talking about it with my friends afterward, and some of them think, you know, what if you know we're being told this story by her? She's narrating her experience, so she could be, you know, I don't, should we trust her? You know, is she the alien, like, reflecting? Well, my only uh, thing about that, and I-, I talked about this with my sister who I saw the film with afterwards. I said, you know, Oscar Isaac, when he emerges from the Shimmer, um, if and we know that the, we know now that is not Oscar Isaac, it doesn't remember anything. All the answers to all the questions are, I don't know. I don't remember. So... That, to me, is a very, very clear representation of whatever this yeah. alien being is that's taken the form of Oscar Isaac. But, it, but is it not him? I mean, and like to the point that you made earlier, I think that I kind of fall in the middle that they have that either form is sort of a mutation or they're a combination of both of those things that came together and both come out changed. I, you know, like, so I, I'm not going to pretend like when I saw this that I was like completely just this person who unpacked every little element. I read stuff afterward when I was watching the film itself. I was very much on this whole self-destruction train and going, what led him, you know, to go into the shimmer in the first place and what is, you know, what, and then this kind of reconnection of themselves coming out changed afterwards was how I interpreted it. But then I've also heard much more little literal interpretations around the cancer analogy 
and what being ill and how all the things it does to change you and how you come out of that. And that that moment where they sort of are like looking at each other, like, okay, we're both new people now kind of thing is like, a, is where it's going to go. I look, I don't know. I, it's all speculation, but that's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Ryan. The, the, the ending for me, I, it was very interesting. Um, Cause I know it's not faithful to the book whatsoever <laughs> no and i hope people don't think i'm a book horror about i'm i'm being like you know a snob about the, this movie i'm not i but i do really like the ending um it's very unclear about what's going on because like I, I, that person that's in the bed is not oscar isaac it's the you know it's clear like it's the alien version of yeah. it like so but you know I, I do think natalie portman changed in in area x and well, I, think, I think, yeah, I think she changed too. I think she was able to do what the other people that might have come back or didn't come back were not able to do, and that is to adapt. Yes, she to adapted, the environment. and that's right. that's part of like the um, the mutation cycle. Yes, and there, there was like that, that, that's such a. I think that's a strong theme. But I'm just wondering, like, why Natalie Portman's character would be okay with going in. And like, you know, going into that room with her, you know, alien, the alien version of her husband and then embracing him as though if as though he was her husband. Well, you got to think of it almost like she's split maybe in a way um, where it's part Natalie, part Portman and part this thing. And maybe this thing, that part of her, you got to think of it like the like the mind is almost split in two. This thing recognizes um hey this looks like your husband you this is where the like the whole adam and eve thing comes into play the idea that you you have this ability to restart the earth and because i'm part alien and that's alien like that's gonna be okay and we're gonna somehow gonna we're gonna take over the world and everyone else is gonna get killed and we're gonna restart humanity essentially that's like a really crazy interpretation, but <laughs> no, it is, it's interesting. I just, I guess my interpretation, I think that she's more her old self than she is mutated. If that makes sense. I don't think it's 50, 50, like she's 50% who she was before and 50% of the, of the, of her mute, muted, mutilated, um, Lena. I think that it's just, she has, I don't, I, I think it's, I don't know. I still think it's her. <laughs> it's still her. It's just, she's not like overcome by this. Right, where you're saying he is alien. not him. Exactly. I just love how like, dumbfounded you are by Categorically, <laughs> he is literally not him. Yeah, yeah, definitely definitely not. That is not Oscar Isaac. 100% that is not Oscar Isaac. So I it mean, just it confuses like me Isaac. that, like, I just thought it was a weird character choice that that Natalie Portman would go be so willing to just jump into well, his arms. Does that have to do with the guilt? But it's not him. <laughs> Remember that she goes into the yeah, shimmer not because she says that she loves him. She says it because she owes him. Owes him, not because she loves him, yeah. So there is a guilt factor there. Yeah. Okay. Right? I mean, yeah. it, it plays yeah. in. Whether it has anything to do with that choice, I don't know. But I, I mean, I thought it was very interesting in how she chooses to go into the shimmer knowing very well that it could mean her own death. But she does it because... Not because she loves him, which is what I was interpreting at first. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, you know, that's her husband and she loves him and she's going to go in to try and save him. And that's like typical storytelling. But the line of dialogue of I owe him, that kind of just threw that for a whole loop for me to the point where I I have to admit, like just that one line of dialogue right there confused almost every interpretation I had as far as why did she ultimately choose to go into the shimmer and go on this journey in the end? Forget about coming back. I thought and it was what that represents. Yeah, I, I, so and I think that implies to some degree that maybe he went in because he knew about the affair, but who knows? That's all for speculation. But I also think that um, it was interesting when mm. I found it um, touching when the um, alien character, even though I agree with you, it wasn't him, but it was there was part of Oscar Isaac in there somewhere as far as the mutation. But he, um, he says, are you Lena? Like he just know he's completely familiar with who she must be. And so there's some sort of psychological connection to that. That was either just through either Oscar Isaac's real character talking about it or this mutated being just knowing who she was. Like in the beginning when he returned uh, and then she asked him, where did he come from or how did he get here? Mm-hmm. He just remembers being outside 
the room with the bed, their bedroom. Right. And, and he remembers her. He recognized her because he had just mm-hmm. walked into the hallway and saw her pictures. And I think that's how this alien Oscar Isaac uh, recognized her like that and knows that this is Lena. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I feel like like we uncovered something, but I also feel like we uncovered nothing. That's the that's the fun <laughs> of this one. I know it's what's going to keep me coming back to it. I think for quite a while. Um, and like I was saying before, I do think that if you view it um, both as a stance on our biological um, systems of aging, you know, every they they talk about uh, this one line in the movie where they talk about the the mutated uh, human gene, um, and not mutated, just human gene. And how if you were to take that away, um, you could look how you look forever and you wouldn't age and you wouldn't decay and you wouldn't decompose and die. So I I found all of that to be very interesting because at the end of the film, they are probably in my in my interpretation, two perfect beings that are actually probably never going to age. They've evolved past human beings as we know it. And to think of it in this context for a minute here, um, it's almost indescribable because imagine if we were not in our current state. Imagine if we were going back, you know, millions of years and we were, you know, primates and we were trying to talk about what we're going to evolve into. Um, We wouldn't be able to really describe it. And that to me is very interesting because deep down, we all know that in millions of years from now, humans are going to evolve again. It's just a natural order of things, unless if the Earth gets totally wiped out and destroyed. We're going to keep on evolving as human beings. We're going to keep on pushing boundaries and limits of what human beings are capable of, and eventually we're going to turn into something that's radically different than what we are today. And I felt like the film was commenting on that, um, but not in a way that definitively gave you answers, but simply asked more questions. <laughs> Mind blown. Okay. Final thoughts. Great out of 10 Oscar potential Ryan. I'm giving it an eight. And um, I think it should definitely be in. No, I think it stands a chance to be in contention for, Cinematography, art direction, and special effects. Deanne, birthday girl. I would also give it an eight. Um, I'm not sure on the effects piece. I, I I don't think I'm ready to say that. I don't think the adaptation is strong enough uh, that there would be any writing consideration. And although I think the performances are great, it's just too early in the year. I, I just have to think we're going to have um, better performances. So honestly, right now, I, I'm going to say no, Oscar Love. Not even art direction. Okay, maybe art direction. Okay, yes, sir. <laughs> All right, so no Oscar love for Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Jessica. Um, I think I would give it a 9 out of 10, honestly. Um, my only gripe with it is that I do wish we got more of the characters in it and more character-driven than a one-sided, like, Natalie Portman's characters. Um. But as far as Oscars, uh, I would go with art direction, the cinematography, and the visuals, possibly. All right. Jess, you get a prize from me just for the fact that you saw it two times in a row. I think that is so badass. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was trippy. I wanted to do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I wanted to go see it immediately right after it was over. Well, not maybe not immediately right after. I needed time to decompose. You guys saw my tweet reactions. I was definitely on another level of consciousness that I couldn't even possibly describe to you all within a single tweet. Um, nine out of ten. I dig it more of an ex machina. I'm not ready to declare it a 10 out of 10 masterpiece going to live on forever sort of thing. I do think it has some flaws, uh, mainly in the visual effects and also in that one, uh, just that one bit, uh, you know, just, oh, let me tell you everything about the, every single character in this movie. And, you know, uh, just wasn't enough for me. Uh, other than that, amazing ideas, great visuals um the oscar potential i would give for something like this you know it's interesting because what i have written on the site right now is best adapted screenplay and best sound mixing 
And I think I'm going to change that uh, because as I've thought about it a little bit more and more, um, I don't think Adapted Screenplay is going to be able to go on, even though Garland is a previous nominee for Ex Machina. It's too early in the year. Other things are going to come out. Unless if critics really, really go to bat for this, it's just, I, I can't see it happening. So, um, but Ryan, you got me thinking about the art direction a little bit more, and I have to agree with you on this. So, I too uh, will actually shout out the art direction. I will shout out the cinematography, even though I know that that's probably going to also phase out a little bit as the year moves on and other contenders emerge. But for now, um, I'll throw cinematography in there, and I'll maintain the sound mixing. I think, if anything, I could see this getting in actuality i could see this getting a sound mixing nomination for real come all the way um into next year's uh, oscars so with all this said our dear uh guest on the podcast jessica tell everybody where they can find you online um i have a wordpress blog they can find me at the cinemablist.wordpress.com and i'm always on twitter at this the underscore cinema bliss Deanne, the birthday girl. At TweedledeeD33. And Ryan. At Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our podcast review of Annihilation. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We would really, really appreciate your feedback. Otherwise, we will annihilate you. And... Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.